What's in Santa's sack? Hopefully something from the stupid store. Buy all your rad swag at radradio.com. It's our final broadcast week of the year. Brandon's going to take the reins on Wednesday. I'll be here. Don't worry about it. But I'll uh, sidekick it. Brandon will take over the invisible captain's chair. you got to keep in practice. And we haven't had uh, Brandon uh, do it for a while as uh, as seamlessly as I make this seem and sound. It's uh, it's not necessarily like riding on riding a bike. Uh, a lot of, I, the, Our first show back after our holiday break, I will be all over the place. <laughs> I will be discombobulated. I won't know which buttons to press and all this. So we'd like to get Brandon a, a chance here before uh, our, his end of the year because his end of the year is Thursday. Woo-woo! He's getting one extra day off as a bonus this Woo-hoo! year. Uh, so Ian will be joining us. Ian from Tech yeah, to You. Uh, we'll be here on Friday. Brandon hosts Wednesday, then hits his last show of the year Thursday, and then and then Ian will be here on Friday. All of that uh, is part of uh, this week. And we will still be doing the Mixed Picks podcast on Wednesday with Steve Mickelson, live from Las Vegas, Nevada, and MixedPicks.com. Two K's in Mix, two K's in Picks. MixedPicks.com. Good morning, Steve. I have to press this button. See, I'm already discombobulated. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Oh, my God. So, yes, we will do the Mixed Picks podcast this Wednesday morning uh, at 10 a.m. And we're going to be on uh, even during our holiday break, uh, December 27th and January 3rd. Steve and I will be uh, on Rad TV, 10 a.m. on Wednesdays at members.radradio.com. I know Dawn is really excited for that. Man, I'll tune in. Uh, before we get to another What the Blank weekend in the NFL, Steve, there was another What the Blank text exchange between you and me over the weekend when Shohei Otani signed the biggest deal in Major League Baseball history when the Los Angeles Dodgers linked him for uh, inked him rather for 10 years and 700 million dollars that is fully guaranteed in Major League Baseball <laughs> that is multi-generational wealth that breaks the uh, MLB records for both total value and average annual value in a contract those are two different things that baseball uses Mike Trout had the previous total record and Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer were tied for the annual average. And Shohei Otani, Steve, who's the the Babe Ruth of the modern times, he pitches and he hits, has injured his pitching arm for the second time with the same injury, won't even be pitching next year, and yet just got paid more than I think you ever – I don't even think you thought he was going to get $500 million, which was the number that was being thrown around. I did not believe he would even get $500 million. Uh, you know – you got to believe he's still going to be able to pitch. I mean, obviously the Dodgers would not throw this kind of money out there if they didn't. But what happens if he can? I mean, he's essentially had a version of Tommy John surgery twice now in the last five years. So it's not like, you know, his arm is fully healthy and, and he's ready to go. $700 million. The, the big question I want to ask out of this thing, and I wish I could find out, is – they settled for $700 million and it took a while, and everybody was talking about how slow the process was. How much did his agent ask for that they were willing to settle at $700 million? Did he walk in, and, and his initial offers were, we want $800 million, and then they negotiated it to the $700 million? But I will tell you this. It absolutely has changed baseball salaries going forward where we used to complain about $30 million a year players at $70 million, it's really going to change the landscape. And those small market teams are now really going to start complaining because there's no chance they can 
keep up with this kind of spending. Well, you, you and you immediately started thinking of okay, well, who who's next down the road? You know, Aaron Judge is like, damn it, I was a year early. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Juan Soto. There's there there are names when you look at the, the landscape of the of, of Major League Baseball that are going to come in and ask for at least this much, if not more. Yeah, and that was the second thing I thought about because Juan Soto turned down four hundred and forty million from the Nationals, which is what got him traded to the Padres. And now that he's traded to the Yankees, who are the big pocket team, you know, he's got to, you got to believe he's looking for, you know, 500, 600 million plus because he's only 25. So he's still at the start of his career where most guys are just breaking into the league. He's already becoming a free agent. So the Yankees really had to dislike that $700 million contract. Because it added, I would have to believe, at least $100 million plus to Juan Soto's asking price. Well, and I, I wonder now how soon the conversations shift. Because it's always, it's always the question of, do you want long-term or do you want more per year? Because if you, And, of course, the, the question there is always injury. So let's take Juan Soto. He's 25. Does he go in and he go, hey, you know what? I want, I want 70 or $80 million a year. But I'm only signing for five years or three years because this is just going to keep going up and up and up. Because in three years or five years, I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, okay, five more years. But this time it's going to be a hundred million a year. There's no end to this. Yeah, this contract for me, for fans, because ultimately the fans are the ones who end up paying this money in higher ticket prices, higher food sales, and everything else. Which is why I can't afford to go to games as often as I used to. Um, but you know what? If the players get it, it means the owners have it. And if the owners pay it, then they're willing to, you know, good for the players. I just, I'm stunned at the amount that Otani signed for. So when Steve brings up the agent, this for me, when my husband had told me this over the weekend, cause he knows I'm just like, I just get fascinated by this stuff on a non-sport uh, 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 arena of it. What this agent, it's like, wh- what the hell? did he say that they haven't heard already? Like, that's what fascinates me, that, damn, probably a great agent, because if, whoever he's negotiating with, right, like, they've heard all of this throughout the years. I mean, th- th- that's incredible. Well, I mean, it's probably, it's probably, believe it or not, a very <laughs> simple pitch. Do you want him, or are you going to let him go to the Blue Jays? Because they, they were the other team that was rumored all day. Yeah. You don't have to sign him. But you're telling me he had these surgeries, right? Like, it sounds like these, these yeah, things are stacked against him, and yet this agent was still able to get that kind of money. That's why a great agent doesn't even go to Crazy. that. Crazy. The agent says, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they bring it up, yeah, he's had the surgeries. Whatever. The Blue Jays are going to pay him $700 million. Do you want to Do you want to match it or not? Because he'd rather stay here in Southern California. It can't be that easy. That's it's just great. Just, that's the thing about having an amazing commodity <laughs> I mean, uh, like he did. All right, let's get to our pigskin picks. Teamed on, bitches. Cheats, bitches. Oof. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For uh, for week 14, we still have two games to go. But so far, in last place for the weekend, Kyle and Dawn. Oh, yes, yeah. see, I knew it. I already knew I was going down. Yeah. They got uh, four right oh. and nine wrong. Oh, God, that's my oh. worst so far. Uh In third place for the weekend, me, six right, seven wrong. Oh. Brandon second, seven right, six wrong. And, yeah, Steve was first, but it was a rough weekend, eight right. Five wrong. Let's start, Steve. With uh, we got more than a few emails. 
uh, like this, which uh, takes us to uh, uh, yesterday, says uh, it was excruciating to watch Patrick Mahomes make a fool of himself in front of millions. The sense of entitlement he exuded and the hissy fit he threw totally turned me off. Robert wrote in and said, we all know that diva Patrick Mahomes is a whiny bitch about any call that doesn't go his way. And after yesterday, his bitchiness really hit a new level after complaining to Josh Allen, quarterback for the Bills, about the offsides call after the game instead of just congratulating him. The offsides call was correct, by the way. As a long, lifelong Broncos fan, it makes me smile ear to ear seeing his pettiness all over the headlines. And yes, I know this email is also petty. But I don't care. There were a lot more, Steve. <laughs> he was petty first. And you you and I don't disagree a lot, Steve. We'll see if we're going to. Uh, maybe this will be the first time in 2023. For a second straight week, a frustrated Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were left talking about the refs after an offside penalty call on wide receiver Kadarius Toney negated what would have been an epic finish versus the Bills on Sunday. The penalty wiped out a 49-yard touchdown that featured a cross-field lateral from Travis Swift's boyfriend to Tony. <laughs> The play would have given the Chiefs the lead with just more than a minute remaining, but instead they wound up turning the ball over on downs after the penalty and lost 20-17 to for their second straight defeat. And then Mahomes lost it. And, and Steve, you and I are, are let-em-play guys, but I agree with referee Carl Cheffers. When you go back and you look at this, because Mahomes and Coach Andy Reid are bitching that usually, quote, quote, the refs, will we'll coach these guys, hey, you're too far over the line. Because offsides is, is, it means that Tony was past the line of scrimmage. He can't be lined up past the line of scrimmage. And usually if they have a second, they will, they'll like tap him or they'll, he'll, they'll yell at him, hey, back it up a little bit before the play. And Carl Cheffers, after the game, the referee said no warning is required, especially if they're lined up so far offsides where they're actually blocking our view of the ball. And this is what I heard everybody say. This was egregious. They had to make this call, right, Steve? Yeah, I believe they had to make the call. And, and you know, the Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't, you, you know, I'm not punishing him for it. I mean, he's caught up in the competitive of the game. You, you know, there is this call, but it's the Chiefs' responsibility to go out on that next play and, and make things happen and, and continue, you know, to try to win the game. I think their complaint, though, really is about this in the past used to be a warning first this year they've called it 11 times. Last year in the whole season they only called it twice. And in 2021 they only called it one time. So I think it's the case of the Chiefs are saying, look, you've never made this call before no matter how egregious it's been. You've always given us a warning and told us to back it up. This time you did not. So I think they took it a little personal in that end. But on the other hand, I mean – it was bad. He was off sides. He knows better. He's played football his whole life. And, uh, you know, this is the second game that Darius Tony has cost the Chiefs uh, because he cost them the game against the Lions, too. And, you know, to not take anything away from the Bills, I mean, who's to say the Chiefs don't score there? The Bills have over a minute to go. The Bills don't come down and score again and win the game in a great ending to that game as well. So, it was a bad look for Patrick Mahomes, but I, their complaint is you've always given warnings. All of a sudden you did on this play, and that's just not fair because that's the way the refs have always called it. Yeah, I, I get the frustration and the competitiveness, and I agree with you. It's, it's, a, it's a bad look for the team, especially the post-post-game like whining, and they're not being as eloquent as you are in putting into words why they're 
so upset, but I, that they're they're also upset at what we've been talking about all year. They're not the Chiefs. They can't get it together. They can't they can't get this thing this train moving, and they're heading towards the playoffs maybe. Uh, and and so I understand all the the, the emotions that are going along. When with you it. guys said, do you okay at the end of the game where the quarterbacks on any game walk over and shake each other's hands? Always. Okay, are you saying in that moment, literally, mm-hmm. he was? Yeah. I mean, screaming at the quarterback. He, well, he, he so the game ended. This was this all happened with like a minute left, or and you know, so it, it was still very fresh mm. as the Bills ticked down the time, and then he ran over and instead of just saying, "Hey, congratulations, a good yeah, game." Yeah, that's classy. He, the mics picked up some kind of. He's mentioning, you know, I, I don't remember what. Uh, Steve, did you see what or hear what he said? Because I only saw a blip of it this morning. It was something like terrible offsides call or something like that. I don't know. No, no I did. I did not see that. The midfield handshake conversation yeah. and i don't want to misquote him but he I mean, was I, talking about the call i love how competitive he is but like you got to know when to rein it in because that's yeah. just that's not good so 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 steve on the issue of the chiefs not being the chiefs they are now eight and five they're still in the third position in the afc playoffs they only have a one game lead over the broncos who are sizzling hot right now they're lucky in that their schedule ends going to new england uh, hosting the Raiders, hosting Raiders. the ba- Bengals, and going to the Chargers. I'm not suggesting the Chiefs aren't going to get to the playoffs, uh, but that schedule does help them out. That schedule helps them out tremendously, especially because uh, Justin Herbert broke his index finger in his throwing hand in the game yesterday, and he most likely will be out for the remainder of the season. Easton Stick came in and uh, was just awful in relief of uh, Herbert in that game yesterday. So the, the Chiefs will be there. We'll be looking at it going, okay, they're coming into the playoffs with a four-game winning streak. They'll still be 12-5, and five, so it's not like it's disgusting. But we've sat there and looked at it, and their team's been out of sync, just like the Eagles. They, they've found ways to win, although right now they've lost two straight. But the Chiefs will be there. Uh, the, I love the fact that the Broncos are only a game back yep. You know, after we watched the Broncos lose by 70 to the Dolphins, nobody, everybody thought their season was over, and there was questions on if Sean Payton should even have a job anymore. So it's a lot of fun to watch that happen, too. Steve, the chaos in the NFL this year, I, I, I'm just in my mind thinking we're going to get like a Titans-Buccaneers Super Bowl. Nothing makes sense <laughs> with, with these, oh. these endless weekends. <laughs> um, the win did keep the Bills in the playoff hunt. Now, technically, they're 11th in the AFC, and only the top seven go, but they're tied. With the Steelers, the Colts, the Texans, the Broncos, the Bengals, all at seven wins, and they're just 11th because of the way the tiebreakers break down. Now the Bills, they are two games behind the Dolphins in their division, and they have to now play the smoking hot Dallas Cowboys. They go to uh, the Chargers, they host the Patriots, and then they go to Miami. So they've got a game against Miami. Miami's got to play Tennessee tonight. Then they got to play the Jets. Then they got to play the Cowboys. Then they've got to go to Baltimore, and then they play the Bills again. This is a mess. This could be anything in the in the when when the AFC East is done. The Bills have a legit shot. Yeah, they absolutely have a shot. I believe they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, their hope is that the Dolphins have wrapped up the division so that the Dolphins rest their players the last week of the season or that the Dolphins go on a little two- or three-, four-game losing streak here mm-hmm. and uh, they play the last week of the season for that division. But they've been a mess at times, too. You know, Josh Allen 
at times looks incredible. And then, like yesterday, he makes these throws, and you're like, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, your receiver wasn't even close to where you threw that ball, you know, for an interception and a costly turnover. So just got to clean things up for the Bills, but uh, they'll still be there at the end of the year. We had a few emails like this one that came in from Mario. Hey, Mario. It's a you, a Mario. <laughs> Says, Dear Kyle. Oh. I am writing you today because you went against the team that you're a fan of in pigskin picks because you thought the good money was on the Eagles, and all yes. I have to say is ha-ha. Yeah, oh. I deserve it. Yeah, I guessed wrong. Oops. But correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. Given the choice, considering that the, the pigskin picks, you're, you're kind of far back anyways, you'd rather have a Cowboys win I'd, than yeah. have predicted it correctly. Yeah, I'm happy that the, yeah. that, that the team won. Don't get me wrong. Um you know, I, I feel a little bad. I'm sure my father wanted to disown me last weekend when I when I said confidently I thought the Eagles were going to win. But other than that, oh, whatever. Uh, instead, Steve, the Eagles went down 33 to 13 at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys last night. Their second blowout loss in as many weeks, and the sense in their locker room after the game was that a defining moment of the season was upon them. Defensive tackle Fletcher Cox said, quote, now it's time to see the real leadership, the real players, the guys that are elite on this team, myself included, step up and do something about it. And, quote, the Eagles were outscored by the Cowboys and the 49ers by a combined 43 points over the last two games. The offense got off to another slow start. They failed to score an offensive touchdown for the first time with Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback in history. Their defense ranks 32nd on third down, 29th in the red zone. They've dropped to 10-3. and three. They're in a virtual tie with the Cowboys and the Niners, but the Niners get all the tiebreakers as of right now. And they've had back-to-back chances, Steve, to show us what we've been wondering about them and the Chiefs. Are you going to get it together against really good teams? And they haven't at all. I mean, they've looked bad against the Niners and Cowboys. Yeah, they looked really bad again yesterday. And and Fletcher Cox, wasn't that what you said last week after the 49ers, that it's time for you to step up and the team to show leadership, to come out and play a big game against the Cowboys? Yet they did not. And you give the Cowboys credit. You know, I've been on them all year about how they're really good at beating up bad teams. Well, you know what? The Eagles are not a bad team. They are a good team. They're just not playing good. And the Cowboys took advantage of it. And uh, we're clearly the best thing. But the Eagles' defense, I mean, if you take, I think it was the last, like, six possessions of the 49ers game, the Niners scored on on their drives and the first four drives of the Cowboys, the Cowboys scored. So it was like 10 straight drives. The Eagles defense gave up a score, excluding kneel downs, you know, to end the game by the 49ers. And that's crazy. Their defense looked tired, slow, and they got to figure something out because they couldn't slow the Cowboys down at all. And even when the Cowboys had it third and long, they still converted. It's the the Eagles were really bad last night. That's two weeks in a row, and uh, you know it's been the little whispers from everyone. They've been out of sync, but they really were exploited the last two weeks. So essentially, it's it's wildly believed the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Eagles will all still make the postseason. It's just a battle for seeding. And obviously, if the Niners, who are at the top, just win out, they'll stay as the number one seed and they'll get that first week by. They've got to go to Arizona. Christmas Day, they host the Ravens. That's the big one. Then they go to Washington, and then they play. Uh, they host the Rams to end the season. The Eagles, the Eagles, God, they've got Seattle, and then they got the Giants twice and the Cardinals. So they they've got they should go they should go four and zero to finish out the season. The Cowboys have it the toughest. They go to Buffalo, to Miami. They host your Lions, and then they go to 
Washington. If the Eagles go back to being even the Eagles of this year, they're going to go 4-0. That's a tough 4-0 for the Cowboys to go. Oh, it is. The, the Cowboys are now hitting their part of the schedule. That's really difficult. The Eagles, well, they started with the Eagles and then, you know, but the Eagles, they've now come out of their hard part of the schedule. They've now rolled into their easy part. And, you know, if you would ask the Eagles beginning of the season, hey, well, you take 14 and three and let's just move into the playoffs. I'm sure they'd be happy to, but they got to figure it out now. They're going to win four straight. They're going to be riding a four-game winning streak into the playoffs. They will be just fine. It's just whether or not they are an elite team and can hang with the 49ers, and I just don't think they can. And uh, that was a total mess in Las Vegas yesterday. Greg Joseph's 36-yard field goal with a minute 57 left gave the Minnesota Vikings a 3 to nothing victory what? over the Las Vegas Raiders, the first oh. 3 to nothing game since 2007. Only the third in the past forty years. Oof. What? What? Oh, what God. was that, Steve? Uh, it, it was awful. The, the thing about it is, is in the morning game, the Texans Jets were zero zero at halftime. Eleven punts, no turnovers in that game. And if you thought that game was terrible, <laughs> then you rolled into the afternoon game of the Vikings Raiders, zero zero into late in the game. It was awful. It was like both teams would get to their own 20, punt it. They'd get off a great punt, and then the other team would start inside their 20. It was a battle of bad field position, and both teams were, were awful. If you hate watching football, you might have liked watching that game because it was like neither team wanted to be there, neither team was inspired to play, and neither team could move the ball at all. It, it was just a terrible game to watch. Is awful the word you would use to describe your Detroit Lions losing to one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Bears? Oh. Yeah, but the Bears are playing better now that the the Bears have finally said, look, let Justin Fields do what he does best. But the Lions team has now scared me. I think this is about five weeks in a row now. Um, their defense can't get any pressure on the quarterback, and their secondary is not any good at all. They can't cover anyone, and if you can't pressure a quarterback, that just allows these wide receivers to get open because you can't cover either. And my hope on the Lions is waning fastly because this – I've been watching it going, here we go, we're back to the same Lions. And yesterday's game was a classic example of it. Jared Goff, when he didn't have a running game, really didn't look very good against the Bears' defense, which is not a good defense at all. And, uh, you know, my fear is, is I'm rolling back to all those other years of frustration. They're still nine and four. They still should make the playoffs. But man, th this team is nothing close to what it was early on in the season. As we head into uh, two Monday night football games uh, for the season, Steve Mickelson in our pigskin picks has an eight game lead over Dawn, a nine game lead over me. A 12-game lead over Kyle, and in last place, Brandon is behind by 14 games. That's the most. And I'm not in last yet. We have two games uh, tonight for a Monday Night Football, and Dawn does have a chance to relinquish second place uh, in by herself anyways to me because she has uh, she's taken one game different than all of us. We will start, Steve, with the uh, Green Bay Packers at the New York Giants. Right now, the Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm. Green Bay is right back in playoff contention, having won three straight games 
after their win over the Chiefs. Quarterback Jordan Love has played great over the last few games, showing why the Packers drafted him four years ago mm-hmm. with the number one pick. Love has thrown two-plus touchdowns in four straight games. The Giants have won two straight or coming off their bye oh, week. Oh. Running back Saquon Barkley has been playing great since his return from injury. And we'll be looking for a big game against a Packers defense that is ranked Yay. 30th against the run. Undrafted rookie Tommy DeVito is the starting quarterback for the Giants with Daniel Jones out for the oh, season. Oh. And he has played well in his last two starts. The Giants defense will need to create turnovers if they're to have any chance of winning this game. But I have the Packers who are playing great football right now, winning on the road. And this is this is the game. This is the game that, that could determine if Dawn falls back into a tie with me uh, for second place because only Dawn has taken the New York Giants to win at home. Everybody else has the Packers. Oh. The other game, uh, and these games, by the way, Steve, why are these games on simultaneously on ABC and ESPN? Why are they doing this to us? I don't understand. You you know, if you're going to do this, you need to stagger them so you watch one game and roll into the other game or at least get a first half into a game so then you can decide you want to watch the first half of one game, the second half of another game if it's close. To put them side by side to me just doesn't make sense to anyone. Yeah, the, uh, the other game is the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are a 14-point favorite. Tennessee lost last week in overtime to the Colts and are really just finishing up the season trying to evaluate talent for next year. Rookie Will Levis is now the starting quarterback for the Titans. He has been decent, having thrown seven touchdowns to only two interceptions. The Titans, though, still rely heavily on running back Derrick Henry, as he is the second leading rusher in the NFL this season. Tennessee is looking for their first road win of the season, as they are 0-6 so far on the road this year. Miami has won three straight games and need another win to keep in the hunt for that number one seed in the AFC. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa leads the Dolphins' number one offense in the NFL as they are averaging 32 points per game. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill is having a great season. He leads the NFL in yards with almost 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns. Miami's defense, though, which was really struggled early in the season, has been playing much better as of late. They're giving up less than 14 points per game over their three-game winning streak. This game won't be close. <laughs> Dolphins can name the score. Everybody on the pigskin picking panel agrees that we all have the uh, Dolphins. We'll talk to you on Friday morning on this show, Steve, and on Wednesday on uh, Rad TV. Thank you. Have a great week. You too, Steve. That is Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com. Two K's in Mix, two K's in Picks. The Mix Picks podcast is every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. on Rad TV at members.radradio.com. Rob, anybody, and Dawn. The Rob, anybody, and Dawn Show.